Welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potts, your host, a visual arts teaching artist. had such a great time visiting Hilary L. Hahn's beautiful home and talking with her. She has worked as a teaching artist for over 15 years. She shares how she began teaching and how she shifted her career over the years. Hilary went from teaching 28 classes per week and squeezing in time for art making at night, hmm, sounds familiar, to hosting workshops around her favorite topics. She continues teaching at elementary schools very part-time, while hosting workshops and private lessons, collaborating with stores and companies, and creating a wonderful little niche for herself here in Los Angeles. She's also launching an e-course to teach other artists and creatives how to get started with hosting workshops. We dig into time management and just how she does it all, while also mothering and making time for her own creative practice. Hillary also talks about her experience with set design, mural painting, watercolor, and how her practice has evolved. She now focuses primarily on fiber arts and natural dyes. Hillary Elhan is a California textile artist and educator. She serves a community of creatives, craftsmen, and artists who wish to deepen their knowledge of various fine crafts, emphasizing textiles through writing, workshops, and e-courses. She creates modern textile designs inspired by natural dye processes, indigo, and interior design. Hillary, welcome. Hi, thank (laughs) you. Thank you for being here or having me come visit you. So I guess the first question I really have is, like, take us back to the beginning. How did you become an artist, a teacher? Did one come first? Yeah, I was definitely an artist first before becoming a teacher. Yeah. But they kind of happened around, you know, the same time. I started, uh, I was studying art and set design. So I was actually like designing sets. Um, I was really into that. This is in college. Yeah. And even like in high school, I took the full spectrum of like all the art classes I could possibly take. So I've been doing art for a long time. And my senior year of college, I got the opportunity to teach, which is like really unusual to get started like right then. But I had a friend, David, who was teaching. He was already a teaching artist and um, a position opened up at a high school near the college. Wow. And that ended up being a full-time position. So he originally had offered me that position because he didn't think he wanted it, but he graduated before me. So he ended up taking that full-time position and he gave me his <laughs> elementary uh, oh. teaching position that was part-time. So I was like still in school. I was able to start teaching part-time Yeah, and I was able to do that through a gallery in a nonprofit. So Ooh. it was a teaching artist position in um, public schools in Ontario school district. And I did that for two years. Wow. So I did like while you were finishing year. school. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I taught classes like two days a week, like the days I didn't have school. Wow. Um, and I just jumped right in and I had this really fantastic professor that had been a kindergarten teacher. 
So So lots of tips. Yeah. So she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, I agree. I I don't, you know. So she sent me like volunteers, volunteer students from the art department to come and help me and support my teaching. Yeah. And she sometimes just extra hands. Yeah. Make a huge difference. Yeah. She created a whole class around the art of teaching for a semester and let me take that. That's great. <laughs> this is really cool. Yeah, wow. so that's how I got started. And so now I've been teaching on and off for like, you know, over 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we were talking earlier about how your teaching has evolved. Yeah, it's changed a lot. It's gone through yeah. a lot of phases. And do you feel like your art making has also been evolving? Definitely. Have they gone through phases together sure. or like... Yeah, for yeah. sure. I used to like when I started out, since I had that um, background in set design, I was really interested in like interiors and installations. I liked to do murals with my students Ooh. a lot because of that, because I was used to painting big sets. So, you know, at, at one of the schools that I was at with PS Arts, we did a mural in Playa del Rey Elementary, and we had college students from Loyola uh, Marymount come and volunteer, and they helped us, and the teachers helped us paint it. Ooh, awesome. Yeah, and I also did murals with teens, like for production companies. I did oh. one on Melrose. So I was really interested in like painting and, and doing murals for Ooh, a while. And how did you connect with those companies? Like, how did that come about? <laughs> oh, um, I taught for summers for okay. the production company and I taught okay. a set design class for teens. Okay. So that was like one of my first teaching gigs in LA. It was a production company for teenagers and they would mount like productions oh, cool. on Pico, on Pico Boulevard. It was yeah. called the Pickering Street Players. Oh. And, you know, so I would teach set design, prop design, and like weave in some, some just like visual arts, like painting lessons and stuff like that. Yeah, it's so interesting here in LA how all of those things mesh. And- it's so cool how yeah. the, we have the entertainment industry here. I think it, you know, gives us a lot of like opportunities. I think there's no shortage of creative opportunities for artists in LA. Yeah. And I know Hillary and I both work for PS Arts. Yay. Which, yes. <laughs> uh, right now, one of the artists that we're really looking at is Anna Serrano. And I know she also had oh, yeah. that connection. Like she's done sets. I really love that about her. And I was... I've been inspired by her work for quite a while. Yeah. A cool thing that happened is one of my private clients hired me to do some evening workshops where we built big sculptures um, in their home based on Anna Serrano's work with kids. So we had a bunch of like neighborhood kids come over. Uh, We saved all of these different like recyclables. Amazon boxes are a big one (laughs) because there's so many. (laughs) And her work is really inspiring. Yeah, and the kids have totally responded to They've it. They've really responded to it. Yeah. We, we did that at the school this year, and nice. um, we saved milk cartons because of the uh, piece called Cartonlandia, so I wanted it to be something yeah. like really tangible that they could connect to, Yeah, and they see those milk cartons every day, rinsing them so with many. boiling hot water uh. Uh, in the cafeteria, and then you know, gessoing them. We like prepared them and oh, created great. little installations. I love that. Yeah. Oh, 
<laughs> it's been interesting to see how lots of different art teaching artists have taken that inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen what other people have been doing. Like it has ranged from like drawing and collage to I've heard about sculpture. S- yeah, somebody was telling me about Davida and other teachers' collages. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that that's just like such a fun way to represent her work as well. Yeah. To interpret it. That's a fun part about teaching in this organization where there's all these different teaching artists with yeah. a lot of sort of freedom. I agree. Um, I like that we have a lot of freedom and that we can get inspiration from other people. Yeah. So it's, it's very different than like when I taught art at a private school. I just, you know, you don't get to see as much what other people are doing. Yeah. Getting that inspiration. Yet it can feel very isolated in some ways when you're kind of at you're school like the on your only own. artist. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. And not yeah. having very frequent PDs or professional development days or trainings, yeah. you know. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, you're not always seeing each other. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm I'm curious, part of your evolution of teaching has been like these online workshops and yeah. in-person workshops, oh um, gosh, so private exciting. lessons, ah, so many things going on. I don't know so how you fun. even do it all. <laughs> it's so fun. I think like just managing my time and I like to set up my schedule at the beginning of every week and I yeah. take a look at it. And right now it's really working for me since my son's in kindergarten and yeah. he likes to go to school for the longer day. He That's actually great. complains <laughs> when I pick him up early because <laughs> He's in an after-school program where they do tons of arts and crafts. Oh, so usually awesome. if I get him early, they're in the middle of like some really fun craft and he's like <laughs> upset that he's yeah. going home. He's like, go away. <laughs> so uh, the thing that's been really fun is I've been able to schedule a lot of privates in the, in the early to late afternoons. Nice. And then I use the first part of my day up until noon or one to run my creative business, which that's is great. workshop hosting and private lessons yeah yeah and can you talk more about your like the upcoming online workshop that you're yeah putting out there yes <laughs> so it's called the creator's path and it's actually a toolkit for creatives that shows creatives how to put together their own workshop series um, from you know having an idea for a workshop to implementing that idea planning it out finding the location and getting the audience, the members that would be really interested in the workshop to sign up. That has been a discovery process myself that really started when I started hosting privates and then evolved about three or four years ago when I started hosting live in-person workshops. So I really had to figure out all the different ways and there really are a lot of different ways that you can put on your own workshops. You can collaborate with brands, you can, you know, have proposals and you can take those proposals out to different venues and see yeah. if they would like to host you if you don't have like a really big following yet. Right. So the creator's path is going to cover like those different ways of doing it. And I, I just am really excited because I feel like I can work with people beyond just L.A., I could work with like right. creatives like across the country or even across the world that want to get some insight about like how to go about doing that. Right. Yeah. That's so great. I love that you're like, you're branching out from here. I'm teaching you my, you know, my creative things. I'm teaching, you've been doing textile design, shibori. Yes. Been teaching these like workshops in the arts, but now you're adding to that, that you're teaching other artists and like helping us be able to teach 
what we love. And that idea really so came great. from like, I wanted to create an online course for Indigo and I probably will because yeah. that's my niche that yes. right now people are really following and I'm doing a lot of textiles, but that that's such a niche. It's such a small group of people that right. will be interested and will benefit from learning how to Indigo dye and Shibori dye, which is yeah. awesome. But I wanted something that could like kind of serve a larger audience. And, you know, I've been mentoring teachers. I'm on the faculty as well at Brentwood Art Center. And yeah. I've been a teacher mentor for like six or seven years there. So awesome. I just want to like, you know, be able to like use what I've learned through that. And I love connecting with other artists and other creatives. That's like the most inspiring thing for me because I learn so much from what, you know, just working with them and their experiences. So it's really exciting. And do you feel like that has also inspired your art making this, you know, what you learn either from other artists or even from your, like your students, your kids that you work with? A big thing was the workshops for me because, um, you know, I have a five-year-old, we discussed him (laughs) and right when I had him, I was feeling like, you know, not getting that much creative time, not getting that much creative time for myself. So I decided I would personally enroll and be that workshop attendee. And I would take like workshops around the city of LA. I took a big textile workshop with some block printers um, that I really admire out in Joshua Tree. And that was like a really important workshop for me because it happened that they worked with Natural Indigo that day. Uh, And it was such a coincidence because (laughs) they die with like an array of materials. And I had no idea going in that they were going to be indigo dyeing. And I happened to, you know, have been doing that and had already hosted a workshop in it here in LA. Wow. So just like really exciting. I took a woodworking workshop as well. That was very inspiring. It's totally different medium, but I just wanted to have like four hours to myself to go and do something that I really, that I really loved or would care about. Yeah. You know, we made a cutting board Uh, and I didn't become like a full on, (laughs) you know, a full on woodworker or anything like that. But I think just like, you know, freeing up your creativity is super important as adults. We don't get as much time to tap into that. Yeah. And I think kids are like naturally creative. And I think if they're in, if they have the right programs at their schools, or the right after school programs, then they get a chance to kind of connect with that creativity and hopefully, right. you know, maintain that spark. But then I wanted to do it for like moms and for entrepreneurs. And I've had like doctors take my class that are like yes. in more high pressure jobs right. that they feel like, uh, even like architects that they wanted to feel more like I did one for Herman Miller. Like they wanted to feel yes. like more spontaneous in their work. So it can just like help you know, adults so much as well. Yeah. Yeah. To just feel a little bit free and like let that little creativity out. Yeah, definitely. So then with those, are you, you're like reaching out to a place like Herman Miller and saying, Hey, I have this. Yeah. Now Um, they're contacting me. So most of my, um, latest, that's a great switch. (laughs) You're like, yes. And like when I first started, so I just started hosting the workshops myself and I have shopped out a few proposals, but I I honestly, now that I have online presence, now that I have a website, now that I have an Instagram following, it took years to build. So it definitely didn't happen over Overnight, right. But I get inquiries every month asking me to come and do workshops with these really amazing brands. That's great. Yeah. That's so nice yeah. that you can kind of 
are you even at a point where you can kind of pick and choose and be like, no, I don't have time for this one. This I looks have. great. I have. Yeah. Or things have happened where I've said, this is what I charge and this is what I provide. And then right. like, it's maybe a little bit self-selecting if that right. isn't something, if it's not within the range of their budget or what they're exactly right. looking for, then it might just not be a match. Yeah. And I've learned to be okay with that because I right. know that the right opportunities are going to come to me. And I think that that could apply to artists when they're selling their paintings, yeah. when they're pricing their work, um, when they're looking for galleries, you know, yeah. like oh, kind such of tricky thing, <laughs> <laughs> kind of knowing where you're at and what you're trying to attract in and then putting that out there on this topic of galleries ah! and selling your work, uh-huh. pricing your work. Yeah. I know you've been, you've been doing more textiles lately. Yes. And yeah. you do sell your work. I do. I do. Have you, do you want to even go down that down gallery, gallery road? road. <laughs> well, full disclosure, I worked for a gallery in Laguna Beach yeah. <laughs> for like two years right out of college. Okay. And while you were also teaching. While I was still teaching. Yeah. Uh, two, I was still teaching two days a week. Both, um, both things going on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I like traditional galleries. And of course, if there was some like fantastic gallery that sought me out or that I discovered, I would totally want to put my work in a, in a gallery because I think that they're really respectable and that's a really reputable way to go for artists. But right now I'm doing commission-based work and I'm doing online sales. And I would just say that it's not my emphasis between running e-courses, running workshops, yeah. and then developing like my textile line. I just don't have time to seek out, you know, like galleries <laughs> at the moment. But could yeah. that be something in the future? Be really exciting potentially. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's hard, so hard to balance it all, and mm-hmm. it seems like you're doing an amazing job of prioritizing and. Yeah. Somehow managing your time, momming and teaching and art making. Yeah. (laughs) All of it. That reminds me of like this thing. It's actually this life practice that I learned in my senior year of high school. And it was in a class called Life Choices. (laughs) I wish I had that. It was such a good class. Um, (laughs) Everybody needs that class. About big rocks and little stones. And they Mm. say if you have a jar and you have only like big rocks and little stones, then you have to kind of pick and choose the big rocks first. You put them in the jar and then all of the little stones fall into place. And it's a metaphor, but that philosophy is something I still think about when I'm prioritizing my work each day. Yeah, Like what are those things that I really need to get done? And then the things that I hope will fall into place. That's a great way to think about it. And thinking about that, what are the big rocks for a lifetime versus mm-hmm. like the bigger thing this that you week, wanna, this and year. That's, that's a really good point because yeah. sometimes if we focus on short-term wins, yeah, you know, versus long-term goals as an artist, you know, you want to think about what you want to accomplish over like a five a year, longer term, yeah, a yeah. 10 year period. Yeah. I know for me, it's been hard sometimes to prioritize when there's just all these ideas totally shooting out of my head all the time and I'm like I want to accomplish this and this and this and sometimes it's almost too much so sitting down and kind of almost meditating on those ideas and saying okay let's write them out and then let's choose like which ones are really worthwhile and really exciting and really could become something yeah I think of those as like inspired thoughts and like whenever you have that inspired thought you have to at least write it down yeah, like get it out. Maybe you'll get to come back to it or maybe you'll get to implement it right away. 
Yeah. You know, but I think as creatives, like those are things that we all, you know, when we have them, it's like really important to notice them and write them down. Do you have any tips for artists who would want to teach or kind of the flip side is people who are teaching, maybe even like classroom teachers who want to make more art or, you know, art teachers who have gone down the art ed route and really like that's their full time thing, fitting in more art making and getting more serious about art making. Oh, yeah. Well, so first off, for people who like want to get into teaching or want to start teaching, I think to just get some practice somewhere. So whether it's like, um, you know, if you're a classroom teacher, you already probably know how to teach. So you could start doing some like artistic lesson plans in the classroom and you could consult an art teacher or, you know, online to get ideas about how to do that. And also same with like beginning artists that want to start teaching or like getting ideas how to teach. I think once you get a little more serious about it, having a mentor is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like when I look at my early career in art teaching, we had some really good coaches actually at PS Arts, Leah and a guy named Rich, who I still use. I still use the advice that I got from him and also from Leah. And then Leah is also like a colleague. So even having, you know, a peer group or other teachers that you can bounce your ideas off is really important because then you start to kind of grow together and learn things together. I used to meet with two other teachers in the summer, every summer, and we would plan our curriculum together um, in our living room. And it was really productive. We would get so much done. We would get so many edits and ideas out there. Right. So finding like-minded colleagues or other artists that can work with you or even like a mentor is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And then for people who are teaching and kind of in the thick of it, fitting in art making and fitting in art. I feel like (laughs) I do. I know. I feel like it's like, it can be really challenging. There was a time when I taught 28 art classes a week and that was, you know, mostly public and some private. I think like three of those were private and I, I, it was hard like to make yeah, art. I think lot. I was doing it like in the evenings, late at night right. and uh, in my spare time. I think if you can carve out, I think the reason that workshops have helped me so much is I create a workshop around exactly what I love to teach or exactly what I'm working on or what I want to explore right. more of. And of course I've practiced it and I've learned about it before I put that workshop out there, but it gives me more time to practice something that I really want to do or that I'm really interested in. Right. So then all your materials and demos and everything, and even just kind of messing around with materials, getting ready for that workshop is also kind of leading into your totally and like once once it's set up, you know, uh, when I do my botanical printmaking workshop, once it's set up. I, and the workshop is over and I've got the materials and I've got the setup, which can take like a half a day, you know, to set up and just get into the practice of art making. Um, I can leave it out, you know, for the whole, the whole, um, usually my studio days are Thursdays and Fridays. So I can leave it out throughout the weekend and I can kind of like extend my art making time throughout the weekend as well, which is really nice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you can have all the materials yeah. set up. Everything and then, set up, everything yes. going, and then you're kind of just like in that flow because yeah. I find jumping out and jumping back in can be 
tricky because you need that space and that time. Usually I can't create something unless I have a minimum of three hours to really get into it. I recently read an article that another teaching artist had posted that was about the brain after 45 minutes of art making. Your stress levels, your cortisol levels, everything, the hormone drops completely. So just like showing that if you do have 45 minutes, that's kind of like the amount of time that you need to really drop in. So even, even if you don't have three hours, I wouldn't discourage anybody from, you know, taking 45 minutes to drop into something or make something. Oh, I'm just thinking about our class times. Yeah. Yeah. 50 Classes minutes. that are scheduled as are 50 minutes. Or 50 minutes. Yeah. yeah. That makes me want to even more try so hard to keep my talking bit down. Yeah. You know, so that give them the full, the full 45. time to get into that flow state. <laughs> yeah. And access Which is that so hard to do. Part of their brain is really important. Yeah. It's tricky when you have that time and that includes, you know, welcome, come in, sit down. Here's what we're doing. And then at the end, clean up, got to go, get out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have to run it like really tight and then also do management things. I'm sure you found this, but like keep talking to minimum or, you know, playing music, which I used to do a lot of play, like really like kind of music that's calming, but like inspires not a lot of words, but inspires creativity in some way. I usually play just classical music or like, uh, who is it? Can't remember the name of the group. I'll have to link it. Oh, nice. That does pop, pop songs in classical, like without words. Yeah. We have a playlist of like Japanese Zen flow that has gongs and some different things, which is, they really get into that. And then we did Vivaldi's Four Seasons, which is fun because then you can ask them like at the end if they could tell what season season they were listening to. Yeah. Those are our favorites right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so the other the other thing that I feel like came up there as you're talking about fitting in time for your art mm-hmm. making. Yeah. I wanted to circle back again to your own art making. Oh, thanks. Um, and yeah. have you describe for somebody who's hasn't seen it or who oh, isn't yeah. like looking okay. at it what cool. what your artwork looks like and what you're like oh, okay. what you feel so like is right your now, thing right it's now. It's really it's really textile based. I had a background in painting and I did a lot of painting, like we talked about, and watercolors. And I found myself always trying to get a watercolor repeat on a fabric because I like that natural feel of linen or raw canvas or any kind of natural sustainable material. Mm -hmm. Um, So like hemp, silk, just any... any, uh, you know, natural fiber. So basically right now I do a lot of dyeing. I use, um, some ancient, uh, Japanese shibori techniques, which I have studied. And I actually went and visited the village, Arimatsu in Japan, where shibori originated. Amazing. I've been like really inspired by Japanese aesthetic. And that's something that actually drives my curriculum in the schools a lot because I love, you know, just like the design, the art, the paintings, the inks, the watercolors, the cleanness, the, the crisp like simplicity and also the timelessness of a lot of Japanese work because it can be very ancient but it can also look very modern but I, but that said I try to let those that style like inform my process and then I try to like you know be creative and develop my own 
my own patterns, my own motifs, my own designs, which are usually organic and less geometric. Yeah, so organic designs on fiber, and I dye with natural indigo, which people always ask me what it looks like. It's a pigment that's extracted from a leaf that was used all over the world, from you know Japan to India to West Africa to the Americas wow. um, prior to the invention of chemical dye processes. So I'm really inspired in just like the idea of sustainability, getting back to nature and using this beautiful blue, which in, yeah. in Japan, there's nine different shades that you're said to be able to achieve with indigo from wow. light to dark. So as an artist, I feel like it's very painterly in that you can go the full value scale with the pigment. Amazing. Yeah. And then I started weaving other colors in because some feedback I was getting was everything is like blue, (laughs) you know, which I do like the color blue and I love the color turquoise and it actually turns from turquoise to blue as part of the oxidation process of indigo. But I then wanted, that drove me to like, want to learn more about other natural dyes. So I started weaving in matter root, which is like a rusty, can be anywhere from a peach to a red. It's a root that grows, it looks like turmeric. When sliced, it's bright red on the inside. So I use matter root, which is also an ancient, historically ancient dye stuff. And just like weaving some other colors in. Yeah. Yeah. I think I need to take a workshop with you. (laughs) Please do. I have several uh, coming up this spring. I have an indigo workshop in Highland Park at a nursery. So it's going to be really cool. cool. It's going to be like all in a garden where they do garden lectures and everything like that. That's great. And we're going to be dyeing a natural linen there. And then I'm going to have a natural dye workshop later, um, like early summer where we'll be dyeing like more of like a rainbow of colors. Yeah. Ooh. And do you do any of these dye workshops with kids? I did one for a teen, for a teen group yeah. um, in Malibu this past Friday at this Ooh, amazing fun. family farm oh. called Plumcott Farms. And uh, we I wanted to give them like four colors. So I gave them the primary colors in natural dye. I gave yeah. them indigo blue, assage orange, which is like a yellowy orange. It comes from the wood pulp of the inside of a tree. Wow. Um, matter root red yeah. and logwood purple so Ooh. that they could kind of get the full range of color when they're dying. And that's similar to the colors that we'll work with in our natural dye workshop later in early summer. And how did they respond? Were the kids really excited about it? Really cool stuff. They said, I didn't know that you could get color from nature. And that was, that's like such a fundamental thing. I mean, that's where color comes from, you know? It's uh, interesting. Even, They're so used to just like, here's the marker, take the little. Yeah, it's like you know? in a tube or in a, <laughs> yeah. yeah, inside of a stick somewhere. Yeah. So um, magical thing made in a factory. Yeah. So <laughs> far away. That one actually had pomegranate skins, which also make Ooh. yellow. We did boil some of those, and I showed them how you could use avocado pits as well. Mm. And then the cool connection with Plumcot is they were actually growing some indigo. They happened oh, wow. to be growing it, which is actually yes. really rare. And so the kids got to actually see indigo, what it looks like, and then to know that we're dying with it, which was just Amazing. a dream. <laughs> yeah. 
so amazing. as far as like making connections and then yeah. um just the idea that all of our clothes are chemically dyed now which is kind of yeah. it's part of um you know modern industrial living and design but then to think about you know just really kind of shines a light on uh, sustainable practices yeah and like how, you know how much clothing do we buy or how much is you know vintage pieces are really great to hand dye because they accept the color so well right. because the fibers are broken in so a wow. really fun thing to do and to teach teens about is that they can take vintage clothing and then they can like upcycle it or they can change it and make it into something like new and I think they like That's the power great. of that in fashion like to create uh-huh. their own wardrobe I think that really, I had one girl who wanted to do everything in all black because she was like dressed head to toe, like in black that day. She was like, what color makes black? And of course I had this beautiful rainbow of colors for her. And I said, well, we can try to get it black, you know, indigo and matter will make a deep purple sometimes, you know, and she did get a bluish, she got a blue, a dark indigo blue, and then a purple on the edge of her shirt. Yeah. Um, but I said, you know, black is actually walnut holes. That's oh. one way. It's also considered one of the harder colors to achieve a natural dye because yeah. you're trying to go so dark um, right. with, with things from nature. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. I know I loved trying to change my clothes when I was that age too. So well, even and, I mean, even little little kids love it. I mean, when yeah. my son sees me doing the flower dye workshop, he always wants to bundle dye something, yeah. and so I let him. That's and um, my uh, co, I, I co-host that workshop sometimes with an aromatherapist, Ooh. and she has a five-year-old who thoughtfully collected purple flowers for us. These oh. beautiful bluish purple flowers and I actually had no idea if they were going to produce color or not produce color because I didn't know what they were I hadn't tried them they weren't something I recognized and they produced some of the most beautiful purplish blues for the workshop so you can definitely getting kids involved in the process is really fun one one tip just because if people are like oh my gosh I want to try this at home um something that's become popular is dying with avocado pits yeah it's not necessarily considered hundred percent permanent. The color will fade over time because it's not a traditional dye stuff, oh. but it is something that if you're like enthusiastic about it, you can try it in your kitchen. Yeah. And I've had stuff that I've dyed with avocados that's retained its color for up to three years in wow. a light fast test. You can boil the pits or the skins and the tannin um, from the pits and the skins are released into the dye bath huh. and it produces, do you want to guess the color? Or do you already know? I don't know it. Um, it produces like this super duper uh, pale, um, beautiful pink. Oh, which is unexpected because is, the skins I was going to say like yellow or like green. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So now I've learned that if you look really closely at avocado wow. skins, you can see the color that they're going to produce. You can actually oh, see yeah. the pinkish. When you kind of slice it, you can. You can actually see the pinkish red in the skin. Yeah, and it just makes you look at nature even more closely. Right. Oh, I love that. And through like a different lens. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great thing for kids to think about too. Yeah. Like look closely. Like really closely at. Breathe things. deeply. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Yeah, slowing down. I mean, it's the artist way is actually, you know, we need to be slow and we need to move slow yeah. to be able to process things and to be able to tap into our creativity. Yeah. And it's kind of like a contradiction to the way that our lives are, you yeah. know, in, in uh, yeah. like a big city 
and also just living in 2020, you know, so. Yeah. And we've talked about time management and fitting it all in. And sometimes it does feel like this rush, but totally taking that time to like, yeah, yeah. I know I tell students, you know, look, draw, look, draw, like look Mm. a lot, draw a little. Yeah. Really, you know, that you're taking that time to focus. and I like that. I'm yeah. going to have to t- use that. <laughs> so a few little kind of just fun questions. What are you curious about right now? I do have a natural curiosity, I think. And so I am always like exploring things. But the thing that I'm probably the most curious about right now is it's like all business stuff. It's all yeah. brass tacks. It's like how to implement you know, some of the different things that I'm implementing like on the business side of the art biz. Well, I do think it was interesting. We were talking earlier about setting up the online courses, setting up your website, like all of the sort of like little gritty details that you sometimes don't realize you you need to know or that like artists And it's such a big learning curve. Yeah. It's like such a big learning curve for me right now. So I'm like a little sponge soaking in all of the details of building out an e-course portal which is done now but you know I can always like improve it and like modify it you know so I I definitely am going to be like improving it throughout the beta launch of the um of the course which is happening right now and then just yeah just learning all of these really cool business things and business strategies are like what I'm the most curious about right now I've actually started running Facebook ads to um, tap into like an audience of people across the country that are creatives that want to learn how to create workshops and I've actually like started testing different ways of ads you can set up these tests but so I've had some success and I've had some leads generated now and like that's really exciting because I'm starting to see like results but I'm still learning and there's so much to learn. I mean, there's, there's people that, you know, do this for a living and like, that's what they do is specialize. So as much as like, I really, really want to just get to the point where I just hire a person that does it, you know, since I'm right, you know, right launching this first e-course, I'm trying to learn as much as I can for myself and learn from others. I'm actually in an online group where I learn, where I learn about this. That's great. Yeah. 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 It is crazy how much we need we, to know now as artists to get our art oh. out in front of people and then also to connect with the right people, the people who right. like are like, they want to, they want to learn what you already know. Yeah. So, yeah. And we were talking a little bit about that idea that like, I am not my client. Like I am you totally. Know, so then finding, well, who is <laughs> like, who are those people that yeah, who is? want what you have? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And in a way though, maybe I was my client, you know, right. or I see a lot of myself in, in my clients for sure. Yeah. You know, when I look through who yeah. I might serve, you yeah. know, definitely and especially with this teaching artists, definitely other teachers, yeah. creatives, painters, people who are in college that maybe want to start putting together like how I was like those after school classes that I did in a school district and want to know how to do that. Yeah. So much to learn. (laughs) Okay. A really fun little question. (laughs) 
What's your go-to order at your favorite restaurant? Oh my gosh. Just get to know you a little more. Uh, well, if you're ever in West Hollywood, we eat a lot at this amazing restaurant called Vegan Glory. Ooh. And I'm vegetarian, I'm not vegan, but the food is super fresh. And so I highly recommend it to like yeah. anybody, like my neighbors, the, okay. like, they like loved to go there because it's vegan Thai food, yes. just extremely fresh, tons of vegetables. And I like the Kung Pao veggie. So if you like really spicy food, it's... It's a Kung Pao spice vegetable with rice, and it comes with these amazing organic homemade soups. And I've been going there for a really long time, and it's like a family... It's a family favorite because my son loves their soups. He loves their rice. He loves their special spray-on soy sauce with liquid aminos. It's very LA because it's like very healthy. But if anybody's like even coming down with a cold, just go there. I highly recommend you get takeout. Like go over there, get their takeout, get their lemon ginger. They have this amazing hot lemon ginger drink. So just you know, working with kids, having a kid. Always trying to keep my immune system running (laughs) at top uh, top capacity so that I can do my work. Yeah, (laughs) Um, and so that place is just like my healthy go to in the neighborhood. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I might need to stop there and (laughs) get some of that lemon ginger. Yeah. Get myself healthy. It's delicious. Okay, just wrapping up. Is there anybody that you would like to thank? I did want to give a shout out to my husband because he works a full-time job and he still helps me out on the weekends when I want to host these workshops. And of course, you know, we have a great babysitter and all of that, but he really steps it up when I am preparing for something, when I'm preparing for a workshop or an extra class. And also he is my tech go-to when I get really stuck on a technical issue, uh, you know, surrounding something I'm doing online, like an ad or my website or something like that. Like he's helped me so much. And um, he also gives like great, great business advice. So it's really awesome. A shout out to to Ashish. That's my husband's name. Yay. Thank you, Ashish. (laughs) (laughs) And then where can our listeners connect with you online? Where can we find you? Oh my gosh. Okay. So now (laughs) thank you for asking. I would love for you guys to come and check out the textiles or to be a part of the creative community. So I have uh, one site, Hillary L. Hahn, where I share my workshops and my textiles. Awesome. And, and I'll link to all of this. That would be yeah. amazing. <laughs> and then um, the creator's path is for artists and creatives who want to start teaching and who want to start putting their skills into action and carve out more of that creative time for themselves. Yes. So you can find me at thecreatorspath.com. Awesome. Great. And then on Instagram, you're Hillary L. Hahn. Yes. And not to be confused with Hillary Hahn, who is a super famous classical violinist oh. that has millions of followers. What a good name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, also a little tricky. A little yeah. tricky. So you're like, I, there's an L in there. <laughs> don't forget the L. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Thank Hillary. you so much, Rebecca. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. What a great conversation. So many nuggets in there. I especially loved the idea of choosing your big rocks, your main priorities, and letting the little stones fall into place around them. It was also so great to hear Hillary say that this amazing career she's building did not happen overnight. It took years to build, and she's continuing to grow. She has an exciting workshop coming up here in LA. Next Saturday, March 21st, she's co-hosting the Creative Entrepreneur Summit, a half-day mastermind retreat in downtown Los Angeles. 
Keep checking Hillary's website for more workshops and head over to the Creator's Path to see her toolkit for artists and the courses she offers. In two weeks, you'll hear my conversation with another incredible artist, Morgan Otten Smith. She talks about the hustle, but also about giving herself time to explore and experiment in her work. I loved talking with Morgan and can't wait to share this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or Teaching Artist Podcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.